Hello and welcome to 31 Days of Terror, day number seven. And I have three spooky stories for you today. And story number one comes from Destiny. I use Snapchat as one of my main ways of communicating. I've always had the fear of something catching the filter that's not a physical being. One of the first times that this happened, it was 2016, and the B filter was new on Snapchat. It was a fun little voice changing filter, and I was sending videos to my cousin and pictures. And then the filter popped up on a small little face right in front of my chest. I flipped out, called my cousin and said that I was done with Snapchat for today. The second time that this happened was probably a month or so later and this sparkly pink dog filter was just too cute not to use. That was until I was recording a video of me lip syncing to a song and this face had popped up two different times in my video. And in the full video, you can tell that I am freaked out by what was happening. One of the other times I had this happen was actually on a church trip in Tennessee at a college campus because they were away for the summer. I had bad vibes about the dorm we were staying in in the first place and I kept telling my friend that I knew something was there and it was going to let us know that it was there. And I tried to take this cute little picture of me where I was just chilling in the dorm and there was this round blur or what you might call an orb, with a dog filter over it, and I honestly couldn't believe that I had captured anything from this trip when I walked in knowing very well that something was in there. Yet I still fell asleep pretty peacefully while staying that entire week. My second story is a little more crazy. In the end, we had to dub this spirit or entity the copycat, and in the story you will understand why. My younger sister Bree loves to play games, and scared the living hell out of her four other siblings. She used to hide in places just because she was small and fit in them, and whatever was in the house I think followed her around when she did these things. Me and my brother were sitting on the couch on Saturday morning, getting ready to watch cartoons. And as we were watching cartoons, we saw Brie peek up behind the couch. And the reason that we saw it was because it was in the reflection of the TV. We turned around really fast and there was nothing there. Keeping in mind, the floorboards in the house, especially upstairs, creaked. Another time that the copycat had been seen was when my sister Shelby was in the bathroom brushing her teeth and Brie, for some reason, loved to hide in the laundry baskets in the bathroom or under the cabinet. I heard my sister call from the bathroom upstairs. Hey, that's not funny, I can see you. And when I asked who she was talking to, she said, Brie, she's trying to scare me again. Then from downstairs, I said, She's with me in my room. I've never seen my sister run so fast downstairs and somehow not trip. Of course, there were little things here and there peeking around corners, peeking around furniture, and even peeking at the end of your bed. Another big one that really made an impact on my older brother was Brie had gone up to her grandparents for the weekend and my brother was playing video games in his room and had seen her run into his closet. I was in the upstairs living room watching a movie and I asked, who are you talking to? He said, oh Brie, she won't get out of my closet. I calmly walked down the stairs and explained to him that mom had just left with Brie an hour ago and as calmly as he possibly could, he took off his headset, placed his controller on the TV stand and said, I guess I'll just come and watch the movie with you. A wise move when you've got a doppelganger running around your house. Firstly, I never trust Snapchat filters. I haven't used Snapchat in years, so I don't know if they're like still the same or they've improved. 
But I guess it's like technological pareidolia, isn't it? They're designed to pick up faces. So there's certain things in houses or in in like even in your clothes or on your person or in the room that you're in that will look like a face to the Snapchat filter. So I never really worry about Snapchat filters. I mean, the second story is indeed a little more crazy and absolutely terrifying. Doppelgangers, small children and anything that peeks around furniture or corners is inherently terrifying. I also love your brother's reaction of just, yeah, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to be really calm about it. And I guess I'm just going to not do what I was doing and go and watch a movie with you. And story number two comes from Guar. Now, I just need to say that I am very aware this is a Welsh name. I contacted one of my Welsh friends and I was like, please tell me how to say this name. And I know that I'm meant to roll my oar in there, but I'm not able to do it. I'm not able to roll my oars. So I'm very sorry if I pronounced your name incorrectly. This is a story about an experience my grandmother had when she was a child growing up in the 1930s. She is now 94 years of age and still remembers it vividly to this day. She grew up in a small seaside village on the Isle of Anglesey in North Wales called Aberfraw and it's filled with historic tales of Welsh folklore and has connections to the first Prince of Wales, Llewellyn the Great. She recalls going for a walk with her grandfather that summer's day up a country lane which has the best views of the beach and the sea. They were sat on a hay bale just chatting away when she noticed in the distance, sat on the wall at the end of the field, was the figure of a small man, no more than three foot. She described him from the back as wearing a tall black hat and he was holding on to a shepherd's crook, which incidentally too was much smaller than they are usually. She looked up to her grandfather and pointed towards this figure and asked, Do you see that there? She said her grandfather was silent for a while and stared in the direction she pointed. Being a young and inquisitive child, she said again, I'm going to cough and try and get his attention. And so she did. Once she had coughed, this small man turned his head towards them. He just stared for a while and slowly and eerily slid off the wall out of their viewpoint. She said they would usually go home in the direction the small man had gone, but that day her grandfather refused and dragged her home through many fields, taking the much longer route home. She thinks now that this was to protect her in some way, as he must have been shaken from the experience. Now you may think that this may have just been a person with dwarfism, and that they thought they had a spooky experience over nothing. But years later, after her grandfather had passed, my grandmother's aunt brought this experience up with her, and told her that he told her aunt that he had recognised the small man's face. He was a local man who had died a few years earlier, and he lived but an earshot away from where this chance encounter took place on a farm. And no, he was not three foot tall when he was once alive. My grandmother's grandfather was a carpenter, and in those days made all the coffins for the village people who passed away during those times. They managed the whole funeral. I say this because she recalls that he had seen and heard many eerie things during his lifetime, but not once had she sensed fear in him like she did that day. To add to the tale, we are now in 2022, and another lady from the village who had never before been told this tale has seen the same small man only a few years ago, meaning that he is still around that lane. 
I'm not sure if this story will make the cut, but it sends shivers up my spine every time she tells it to me, and I'm always a little nervous when I walk down that lane in case I too encounter what she saw all those years ago. I really strongly believe that if there had been somebody living in the local area at the time who had dwarfism, then the people, the local people would know about it. Like people would talk about it. Anybody who was born outside of the parameters of what was considered normal would have been a token point in the community or they very sadly would have been hidden away. And listening to this, you'd think, oh, was it some sort of fairy creature? But then why did it have the face of a dead man? That's the really disturbing bit about this. I mean, it's both the fact that it was some sort of like, I don't know, is it a fairy creature? I don't even know what I can refer to it as because it had the face of a dead man. I just don't really know what to make of it. And then the fact that that woman in like 2022 has seen the same man. Like, is it is it some sort of fairy with the ability to change its face in order to really freak out whoever sees him? Because if that's the case, we're on a whole new level of what the fuck around here. And story number three comes from Brooke. My ghost stories are many, mostly because I leave myself a little too open, I guess you could say. Also because I have got to stop buying things at estate sales. But here's the funniest one I've got, and I thought you'd have a good time reading it. My mom's best friend's parents, Ronnie and Sharon, known lovingly as Nana and Pop, God rest their souls, built a log cabin on Lake Greeson in Daisy, Arkansas. Now, Nana and Pop were big into estate sales as well. They loved going up to the Amish country and buying beautiful handmade items. However, their drawing table had come from an older woman's house locally. She was, for lack of a better word, an utter bitch. A shut-in who had her groceries delivered. We live in a small town, so she was literally the only one who was able to do this. And never left, as far as I was aware. She died and was left for about two weeks before anyone found her. Story goes, and I can't know how true this is, but that her cat started to eat her. I know, it was fucking gross. Now her kids came back into town and had a large estate sale. Enter Nana and Pop. They buy the drawing table and take it home. While Nana and Pop lived in the house, nothing out of sorts ever happened. It was, to me, just a terrible gut-dropping sensation to be alone in the house. But Nana and Pop moved for whatever reason and their daughter, my mom's best friend, Tanya, moved in. Tanya was and still is a kick-ass mom of three boys, Cole, Trevor and Elijah. These are their real names. And I don't give a fuck if they get mad at me, this house freaks me the hell out. Cole was the eldest, my older sister's age, about six years older than me. Trevor is one year older than me and Elijah is the youngest of us, at two years younger than me. I was probably six or seven when most of the activity was going on. Now we live on a fault line in Arkansas, just enough to move shit on your shelves and you not notice. So Nana had lips built onto the shelves so nothing would fall off. Elijah has ASD. He is wicked smart and wicked argumentative at times. Now we would of course spend the night at the log cabin often. Mom and Tanya would send us to bed early and they would have a glass of wine and complain about us kids and whatever else. Nothing really happened then, except for my mom repeatedly seeing an older gentleman in the hallway between the kitchen and the bathroom. Unrelated, but still where the heck did he come from? Our story starts one fateful night that my mom did not stay with us. She went home and I spent the night. 
Elijah, Trevor and Cole all slept upstairs and I would sleep in the bed with Tanya on the bottom floor. Elijah was probably four at this point and we hadn't yet received an official diagnosis on how his brain was beautifully different. But we'd all noticed he was not quite like us. At this point he would throw into fits like none other, hitting us, his mom, and whoever else got in the way. This night Elijah had gotten into trouble for breaking something so he was pissed. We all had laid down for the night and like a fucking bomb had went off, things started flying from shelves and slamming into the opposite walls. Remember that part where all the shelves were lipped? Tanya, bless her heart, was trying to make sure we were all okay and she called my mom, panicking because this was not a normal situation. The entirety of this story is true. I swear to Jesus I cannot make this shit up. My mom flies over, assesses maybe for a second and goes, All right, that's enough. My mom is a five foot four Native American and Scottish mix, so she can be scary. And it stopped. I remember being so sudden because the old glass oil lamp that was bound for the wall literally stopped mid-air and dropped to the middle of the living room floor. This carried on for months. Whatever was in the house always stirred up whenever Elijah was riled up, like it was feeding off his energy. And Elijah became much worse whenever we were at the log cabin. They narrowed it down to being the drawing table but left it in the house, mostly because they're crazy in my opinion. But any time she started doing anything, my mom would say, that's enough, and she would obey. I have no idea why or how this worked, and if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. Everyone says they have a healthy fear of their mom, but apparently, even ghosts are afraid of mine. Okay, two things about this story. First of all, when I die, I want people to describe me as an utter bitch. I want to be known for living in a big house all on my own, and having loads of cats. And if those cats eat me when I die, so be it. You know, I'm going to be dead. I'm not going to care. That's definitely the legacy I want. But I also want to be someone like your mom. I want to be someone who even ghosts are afraid of, you know? I want to be someone who, if you are in a ghost house and you go, right, that's enough, then they stop. But on a serious note, it does seem that in these sort of poltergeist incidents that energy is very important. And if Elijah was neurodivergent then potentially he had a lot of unexpressed feelings that maybe might have triggered all the poltergeist stuff going on in the house. If he's having these big outbursts of rage and kind of not feeling understood, then maybe it was fueling whatever it was that was flinging shit around the house good all. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Destiny, Guar and Brooke for sending in your stories. Remember, if you want to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I will see you tomorrow.